What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Bronche. I am Julissa. What's up, everybody? This is Skittles. And this week, we have a dope musician slash writer, because he writes his own slash a lot of other shit that he'll tell us himself. Rick, who the fuck are you? Yo, what's up, everybody? I'm Rick Wynn Herrera, um, actor, singer, as they say, and uh, playwright. Um, also a very loving and funny person, man. Just like the crack jokes and... Also, stay away from people sometimes because I like my space. There you go. <laughs> and, and so tell me a little bit about, like, what shit do you write? What shows do you got going on? What What's your artistic life like? Right. So uh, I perform one-man shows that I create. I'm working literally on the, the third one, hopefully to release next year or whenever it's ready. But um, I'm more interested in basically my story and my vision to get these journeys out of insecurities, fears, and life. And I'm more focused on just being honest and showcasing that on on, on stage and bringing it with dramatics and and funny and music and allowing the, putting all these gifts that I have into one hour or maybe an hour and 10 minutes and to showcase that I'm, I'm really about, in a long story short, portraying us and portraying a human being and a Latino person in a positive light. You know what I'm saying? And putting this story out there that, no, we're not only, like we was talking about before, you know, this negative view of drug dealers, this thugs, whatever. We're more than that. Yeah, we could have that life, but there's also positive outcome that I saw a lot of people that come from that and made something great. So tell me a little bit more then about uh, growing up and, you know, where'd you grow up? What kind of Latino are you? Um, I'm from Brooklyn, so I was a uh, Brooklyn Browns, but I was born and raised um, East New York. Uh, they haven't gentrified my area yet. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I'm glad you know it's yet. Uh, <laughs> they're trying, but yes. they can't get the violence out. Uh, but I was, I was, I grew up there, and you know, um, my mom was was there, and my I had an older sister and an older brother. I was basically much the baby. My mom had me like when I was 40, uh, 42. Uh, yeah, 42. Yeah, it was like this crazy. When she was 42. You said when I was 42. Oh, when I was 42. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to correct that for, se- for a second. I was like, wait, is he making a joke that I told him? <laughs> no, it's, it's like 10 o'clock past my bedtime. <laughs> she had me at like 42. So, you know, my mom at that time was also even more overprotective because like she has me at this old age to her. And then like now I'm in the and we're still living in the ghetto and the project. So she's like, be careful out there. So I had like the typical household of my mom just being my business and everything and like um, and being funny. And then also all of us like chilling with this small family, just me, my mom and my sister. And then comedy and music was my outlet. So when I could, I had to be home by like 9 p.m., no, 8 p.m., because when the lights came down, my mom was like, you better get your ass home. Mm. Um, that room was my whole sanctuary. So it, it was it was cool. And then my dad wasn't around, so I always speak about that in my shows and, and stuff like that. So I don't know what else. like. What so, so musically, what are some of your inspirations? I'm an old soul, old soul. Uh, I connect to a lot of like the Temptations, the Commodores, uh, yeah. Jimi Hendrix, Led Zeppelin. I'm, I'm all over when it comes to like that type of music. And that reason being, I was sharing this before where I could remember, like, and I still listen to hip hop, right? Don't get right. me wrong. I, the trap music, like, hey, oh, hey, shit. I like the beats, like, it's cool. Yeah. But I can't, <laughs> I, like, my foundation is definitely the old, the old stuff. And I remember just being young 
being by uh, the big giant speakers that my mom had, and I'll be there for hours, like with her uh, records, like Hector Lavoe and oh, all yes. these great artists, yeah. Eddie Palmieri, and I'll be there for hours. And my mom was like, "What do you know about that?" I said, "What do you know about that?" Because you, <laughs> you, you, you don't listen to these records no more. And then like I would just be there for hours. My mom would think something's like. I think something's wrong with him. Like, <laughs> in a positive way, yeah. Yeah, something was wrong with me in a positive mm -hmm. way. I was, right. it was like, what is this music? And if this person likes, was influenced by this person, who was that person influenced? And to this day, mm -hmm. I would drop like $60 on iTunes just going like True. every through old music from 1986, 1940s. Oh my God, African Cuban music. Who's that? Whoa, Fring so Pong Young Jung Dung La. I'm like, who is this Fring Pong Young Jung? <laughs> <laughs> that guy is crazy. So, um, so those are like my musical inspirations. Everybody that played from the heart and soul and had a story to tell that was deep, you know, about these emotions, not these chants, like what's going on now. Like, oh shit, damn, what? I could be there like, oh, yeah, but then after all, I was like, need, I need money, some feelings yeah. and some truth and uh -huh. some love. For sure. And so what does it feel like then? Um, it, it sounds like your audience is uh, is really comprised of the community that you mm. grew up around. So what is that experience like when you're making art that your community is identifying with? Um, it's one of the, it's one of the, biggest blessings and surreal moments when you can create and write, you know, and, and, and first of all, be, be vulnerable. Like, you know, I, the first show was called the naked truth because the meaning behind it, you know, and I was naked on there per se, it was a catch people. You was really, eyes. you was really naked. No, I had like a speedo and stuff like that. I was getting ready for Jamaica. <laughs> so it wasn't Jamaica truthful Jamaica. then, because yeah, you wasn't yeah, swinging. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't uh, swinging. <laughs> <laughs> the dick was covered <laughs> with the guitar and a speedo. Um, <laughs> All right, ladies. I guess we're not buying tickets to that show. I just lost twenty tickets. <laughs> It was funny because when I was doing the shoot, I thought I had to be, I was ready, I was prepared to be naked. So I thought I had to be naked. And it was like, no, fool, you can put like underwears behind that. Like, right. and, it, and you know, the cliche, it was cold in that basement. So I'm like, damn. And it was like six oh, so girls. I was like, ah. Oh. Uh. I was like, damn. So like all the fears and insecurities and then the coldness wasn't helping anything. And I'm tall. So like, you know, so, so not to say that I'm, you so know. it would have been eye level. They would have been oh, sick. <laughs> Yeah, it, was, it, was, it would be a good look. I was like, ah, damn. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. But in general, so there we are. I'm sorry to cut. <laughs> no, no, that was great. That was a great second. Yeah. But the audience reaction. The audience reaction to my penis was. <laughs> no, the audience reaction uh, was amazing, right? They say, wow, I can relate to not having a father. I can relate to you not being understood. I can relate when you said society and family wanted me to be this, but you was wanting to do something else. I can relate to that. Not only because you put those issues and you put your life and your truth on stage, but you gave me lessons hmm. that how it, what you did to help yourself. And you mentioning about your spiritual teacher and how she helps people and it's for free and all that stuff and how you got hmm. your life together and you stopped uh, playing the victim and you took responsibility. Wow. Like, I want to do that. You know, hmm. I want to you know, take these lessons that you shared and I want to apply it to my life. It's been amazing, you know, getting emails and getting people saying those things. Uh, it's something that I didn't think would happen. You know what I'm saying? I was just writing this show literally for me. Mm. You know, that's what I was taught 
when I was first was writing this show from my teacher, uh, Guru Enlightenment, spiritual teacher. So she said, this show is about you. Because the only fear that I really had, honestly, it wasn't about performing it or being vulnerable. It was like, how is my family going to receive this? Mm. Are they going to stick to me from act one all the way to the end? And my mom's going to hear one thing and say, motherfucker, that's it. I'm leaving because, Ricky, I can't believe you said that shit. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want you to stay with me. Yeah. And they did. And when I got the reactions, like, you know, from my brothers and my mom, and I understand. I got it. I got it. So to me, I always like to create, you know, art, uh, you know, whatever it is, whether it's music that has meaning and substance to it. Mm. I just don't want to be on that stage and wasting it. I don't know. I, I, like, that's a beautiful thing. People don't realize how beautiful to have a gift to sing is Hmm. not everyone can do it. Not everyone can write. Not everybody, you know, these gifts were given to you. And even though you have these fears and insecurities, it's okay, but it's time to use those things for a positive and build that confidence. Mm -hmm. So don't waste your fucking time up there. It's, I I get angry and I get sad when I see that, you know, it's okay if you want to make music and then make money. But even if you're doing that on stage, not everybody can do that. So be appreciative of that. Because you have a gift that you came down with. Don't waste it. So. Absolutely. I'm Damn, also you put just, me in this shape. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm also just really interested in, before we jump into the our four questions, about your training. Yes. And w- what role did that play into it? Because I feel like, did you just like up one day say you wanted to write a show? Or like, mm. how, did, how did we get to that? Nice. So I started... Um, I went to school, I went to Buffalo State College, and I started taking up, uh, I got into this major called television and film arts. Around that time, I was learning how to write scripts and directing, and we was doing all that stuff. I was like one of the only Latinos in that room full of white kids, so I was Mm. intimidated. The only thing that Mm -hmm. I knew that that they didn't have is that the funny and Mm. the pain that came from Mm. growing up in Brooklyn and all that stuff. I knew this was my end. They knew all the technical stuff, but I said I knew I could... I have these stories I can write that's going to be different. Mm. So then after that, I got into stand-up. And I said, one day, um, you know, these kids are shooting these cameras, and I don't have enough money to do a camera, but I got these stories in me, mm-hmm. and I just pay $5 for five minutes. Let me go out there and do it. And it was funny because I hurt my fucking knee, so I had to stay. I mean, me and my mom was, like, at that time, beefing so much, and I had to get surgery on my knee. And it was, I was so miserable because every my mom was trying to help me for any little thing. Ricky, let me help you pee. Let me hold it because you're going to uh. fuck up your knee. <laughs> Ricky, don't sh- Ricky, can I wipe your ass, please? Ricky, Ricky, please. You're going to fuck up your knee. You can't buy a new knee because Medicaid just bought you a knee. So, so like, I was hearing that every day. Then I'm... <laughs> Then I'm questioning my life. What the fuck am I doing? I don't know. I'm having like this epiphany. I'm like, I'm 20-something years old. I'm growing this beard. I don't want to shower because it hurts to fucking shower. I like, I, my mom is driving me crazy. I can't do anything. And then I said, I'm going to do comedy. I'm going to do comedy. I'm going to learn how to walk. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, I'm a I can't that. wait for your like biopic. <laughs> this scene. Let me help you yeah. be. Yeah. No, ma. Yo, it was badass. Just like that. And yeah. it was coming from a loving place, but of course, I was yeah. so stubborn from any little aspect from her. They're like, I don't want help. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I started doing stand up. After the stand up, went back to school to finish. 
And then after that, I got into improv comedy, got trained at the UCB Theater. Yes. Nice. And then every day, you know, every day was training, you know, dealing with people, you know, meeting people, mm-hmm. being sarcastic to them if they was being assholes to me. So, like, that was all training. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Living life was all training. And then I met my spiritual teacher, right, in 2000 and uh, six years ago. That's easier. <laughs> I met her six years ago. Uh, through my spiritual brother, also a good friend of mine, and my brother, uh, Victor Cruz. He was an acting teacher. Victor Cruz. Can yes. I just pause real quick yeah, about pause. Victor Cruz? Because I, um, when I was younger, I remember going to a comedy show. Mm. Um, it was uh, Room... Oh, God, 28. room 28. Yes. Uh, so I know Jerry because Jerry used to Jerry work Diaz, with my yes. sister. Right. So I remember going to a show. It was at uh, a club or a loungy place in the Heights. Um, and he was one of the performers mm. that night. But he was the funniest. Like he had me dying. That boy good. <laughs> that boy good. So good. And then like I, I had just never forgotten him. And then one day I was watching a TV and I saw him in a commercial. Mm. And I got hype. You would have thought I had just seen like <laughs> you know whatever like. But I he left such an impression on me. And mm. then like I'd see him like here and there like doing like you know little bits yeah. or like one liners really fucking funny until one day like when I was following your page and I saw y'all were cool I was like this man the funny man it's he's the funny you. man he's still alive anyway I just think it's really I think he's really dope so it's really no, dope that y'all are he's amazing yeah he, he's one of the dudes that really you know like when people take you in and they you know they really teach you a lot of things he was one of those dudes when I entered his class and we connected right away like nice everything like and then after that you know from when he was teaching me we'll go to the diner and we'll eat and then um, I had this idea. I originally brought it to him. as like, I want to write a show. And then he said, I want to introduce you to someone that helped me in my life. And that's when I met Guru. And then Guru taught me so much about spirituality and believing in myself and facing everything I had to face and taking responsibility. And then I remember she said, in, one, in, one, in the first session, she said, you're going to have to make a decision. Um, and, but you'll know when it's time. Intuition. And I'm thinking... I'm quitting my job. That's it. We quitting my job. I'm going to LA. Like, this is it. I'm out. Like, you know what I'm saying? But come to find out, like, probably like a year later, I started working on the show. And once the show was done, um, I said, hey, what was that decision that I ever had to make? She's like, you did it already. Your show. I was like, oh. And that was like the biggest, that was the hardest thing for me to do was to sit down and write about my life and face it and then put it on stage. Right. Mm. So all, all those trainings and everything from the, the sessions with Guru the late night walks with uh, with Victor Cruz, my mom, my life, all that stuff in college was training for me. Awesome. All right. So, Rick, what is your favorite brunch plate? Mm, you know what? I, <laughs> I went, you know, just think there's this place called uh, on Indian, Ro- Indian Hill Road Cafe or something like I that. I know that place. You know that place? Okay. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so I good. Even know they had brunch. I've been there for lunch once. I've been once there for brunch twice. So I guess my plate is that it's like a, fish, a trucker, something truckers. It has like French toast, Ooh. hash browns, Ooh. biscuits, Ooh. sausage, mm. bacon, and over easy eggs. And it was nice. only for the low, low price of fifteen ninety nine. Ooh. Yeah. So that's my favorite. <laughs> we got to go, Juan. Actually, yeah. food yeah. 
it was really really good yeah. once i did so in the park that's right across the street i forget the name of that park yeah um, but just, the it's, big it's beautiful yeah i guess inwood park or something like that but like um <clears throat> we had done a show there with my theater company called waiting for lefty we literally just shut up a show in the middle of the park mm. and like random people when the idea was that we just wanted people to come mm. and like sit and watch and then we went and we grabbed a little sandwich and that's i had dope. like a salad and even the coffee there was mad good yeah mm. i was surprised it's was a surprised. lit place good it choice it's a nice little like in the cut too so you ain't yeah. think yep so then when you go to brunch what is your favorite brunch booze you use when i do drink uh i drink some man readers uh man reader is a margarita but i'm a man so when i drink it i call it man reader uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, the beer mosas yeah yeah like yeah, 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 yeah like the, the i'll have a margarita i don't know i just like Tasting different types of tequilas and stuff like that. So that's like my, that's my drink of choice. Yeah. Yes. Margarita's good. All right. So Rick, what was it like going out to eat when you were growing up? You know what? My mom, and I think she was the typical like Spanish person. She would say, we got food in the house. We're not going yeah. nowhere. So, but, <laughs> you know, she's yeah. like, we got food. In, but after a while, like you want to go to like the Red Lobsters or Olive Garden, whatever it is, you just want to eat somewhere else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't, re- I don't remember us actually going out to eat somewhere. But I think I'll use this. My mom loves City Island. So, like, mm. I, we would mm-hmm. take her, of course, like on Mother's Day or something like that. So, that I think as a family, we probably went there like three times. So, City mm. Island. City Island, <coughs> let me tell you, has so many special memories for so many people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm shocked that y'all came from Brooklyn, though. Yeah, because wow. that's, that's really Yeah, like I just Bronx. thought about that. That's, well, that's my really brother lives really in the Bronx, Bronx. so okay. he will come down. Okay. That yeah. makes yeah. all the sense so in the world. Exactly, because my mom yeah. didn't want to go over there. We want to go. City Island's like the hidden treasure of the Bronx. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And and it's not technically the Bronx, but still, it's the Bronx <laughs> pretty much. Um, so what is your favorite bochinche to talk about uh, mm-hmm. over a meal? You know what? Like recently with my wife, what we do, like we'll chat and then uh, I will show her like the funny memes that uh, like the come up. It's not even like bonchinche. Oh, yeah. Actually, you know what? That and also uh, like talking about shit, what happened like at the job. Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. like the common thing. Like, oh, my fucking boss did this or yada, yada, yada. And um, we'll talk about that. And then I'm like, yo, but besides that, look at this meme real quick. Yeah. Not funny. So. Memes <laughs> keep relationships going. I have to say like anytime I'm talking to somebody, I know it's going well based off of the meme share. Like I'm dead serious. Really? Like, do we have a good meme share relationship right, or right. do we have a good like GIF GIF or however people want to call yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. But like is, how is your GIF game? Is it on point? Because if it's not, then <laughs> you know that is a thing, it though. You came yeah. for me on my Jeff. I really my, did. I was like, that was not a good choice. Other day. If, if that meant yes, it looks like she's being like, "What, bitch?" Like, oh well, nope. I have not updated yeah. the calendar. So that's why I was like, "Excuse me, yes, motherfucker, no." Have you updated the calendar? I was like, "Girl, she's nodding." Like. <laughs> With an attitude. Um, but yeah, so that totally makes sense to me. Yeah, that yeah. that's like part of the day to day conversation. Think about that. Like ten years ago, would we have known that memes were gonna be such no, a big man, part of our like, lives? Blew my mind just to see that. Blew my mind. My, my mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> blew, I was like, it was crazy. Just to like, 
And then, like how you said, y'all, he, you better have some like nice memes for me, or like your, the relationship yeah, is Yeah, it's like it's like, an indication of who you, know you are. Do you know how to meme, or do you know how to gif? Like you know, what I'm saying like yeah. it's part of it. Absolutely, especially when like I'm, I can spend all day on this, but like literally, like when you see like the beautiful background and these quotes that really don't make much sense, or it's kind mm-hmm. of like that's actually not a good thought process around relationships. Yeah, or, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> there's one that keeps circulating that is pissing me off. That is like. Um, you know, when, when he has his friends over, I go to my room and I respect your man, like uh, not to be, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but yeah, yeah, like, I, saw, I think I saw that one. I saw that and one. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Mm-mm. And then it's like, not even worth it to like dive in and have the conversation with the people who are like, word, I respect my man. Why you got to be out there if he's playing 2K with his boys? Bitch, because it's my fucking house. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you go out there with some fucking booty shorts right, and like right. and your titties out, that's right. different. Then it's kind of like, you know, fine. And even then, I'm like... <laughs> Tell your boys, <laughs> not to be here. I want to be with my teens out right now. I've been working all day. Go play at his house where he ain't got no girl. Why y'all here? He don't got an Xbox. Take your shit and go over there. Like, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so now let's move into our uh, cheers to the ladies who, where we shout out people who are doing really, really dope shit. Mm. Um, I want to start not in a conceited way, but to shout myself out. So my second video that I wrote with uh, Kat Lazo mm. of The Cat Call whoop, whoop. got released Congrats. yesterday. Congrats. Um, and this one is about how not all Latinos are Catholic. Mm. So um, that's really cool. The first one that I did uh, was on body shaming in the, in the Latino community. Um, and this one is so interesting to read comments because like I woke up and I'm like, yeah, the video's lit. And then there's a bunch of comments of people being like, yeah, everybody thinks we're Catholic, but I'm not. Or, oh, I'm this specific type of Christian. And Everybody just assumes because I'm Christian, I'm Catholic. Mm -hmm. And then there was this one post that was like, this is all blasphemy. You are all going to hell. This is exactly the thought process that has the world the way it is. And there's only one true God and blah, blah, blah. Like just going Damn. There is like always <laughs> one person. I mean, and there were a few. He was the first like, one that I saw. And then as I kept going down, like, and you know, people comment each other and like, amen, brother. The wor- these people don't know. Oh and then like uh, shaming like the LGBTQ. And yeah. I, I don't even know how like that came into the conversation, but I was just like, see, this is why we need to write videos like this because. Right. First of all, people need a, a platform to expose themselves because lately that's what's been happening. Everybody's just mm-hmm. been exposing their ass. But like, yeah, we need to start as a society being like, oh, well, you can challenge this. But the positive forward thinking thought is, yes, not all Latinos are Catholic and those who are not. Because in the video, there's a Muslim mm. Latina mm. who's talking um, and she's Afro Latina. So she talks about how she's Muslim. And <clears throat> the second highest population of Muslim people um come from Latin countries. Mm. So, and I mean, watch the video and like get all that information there, but it was so interesting to see that. And so I was like, you know what? Shout out to Kat for picking the topic. And like, I'm so glad that I got to be a part mm. of that. Yeah. So shout out, shout out to you too for yeah. like living your truth. Cause I remember you shared something on Facebook about lady was like, a, she probably thought you was pregnant or something oh, like that. And yeah. you just killed her for your response. Yeah. I was, just, I was like, like, like if there was a meme, I was like the gif. I was yeah. Yeah, I wish I could remember exactly what it was, but I know I was in DR. This woman saw me and I was wearing a sundress, but she thought I was pregnant, right? And then she was like, Well, like, are you in school? And I'm like, 
I graduated a long time ago. Mm. And like, her reaction to that was almost like, so like, what the fuck are you doing then? Right. Like, why, why aren't you pregnant? It was really dumb. Um, and there's so many, there's so much old school mentality uh, that needs to be erased. And that's why, like, yes, like I, I look at white people and I'm like, white people have a long way to go to get this, mm. to get it together. But sometimes I'll sneak in and us too, because mm. even in, especially in the Latinx community, you know, there is colorism. There are a lot of these issues of hierarchy and just tradition. There's, I mean, the reality is if, a lot of Latinos weren't immigrants, most of them would probably be Republicans mm -hmm. because part of the things that keep them away from being Republican are like policies around immigration and just like, you know, like government assistance mm -hmm. or things like that, mm -hmm. that they know don't side with what they need. So they're not going to vote red, but go to the South. Like there's a lot of Chicanos who are really American born who, you know, maybe grew up in privilege. They're full red Republicans, mm -hmm. and there's nothing you can tell them about it. Mm -hmm. Even with what's happening in Mexico right now, they're like, well, they should get legal papers. So mm -hmm. anyway, um, so another thing, um, speaking about ignorance, um, I came upon uh, something called Drag Queen Story Hour. Yes, um, shout out to Robin Banks, who is Local Ninja's best friend who does that. Amazing. Yes. I didn't even know that connection. So that is fucking amazing. So basically, um, they come into classrooms and they read uh, books that talk about gender fluidity and identity to young kids. Mm -hmm. So I came across that video because somebody had posted it mm -hmm. in a negative way saying, what is wrong with this world? Are you serious? Mm -hmm. And I was like... <clears throat> I don't know what's wrong with you. And this is someone who has a child. And so I sort of like, I couldn't help myself and right. I commented and I was just like, I don't see what's wrong with your child learning at an early age, how to not be an asshole to someone just because they're different, <laughs> True. you know? Um, and then he's like, asshole. yeah, but like, isn't it too young to blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but well, why it's not too young. Because first of all, sex is not part of the conversation. So exactly. it's not like they're in there yeah. saying, this is how two women have sex. This is how yeah. two men have, that is not what they're talking about. They're talking about identity. So in the video, like, you know, um, the drag queen, what's, what's the, their name again? Um, well, no, that's not the drag queen that's in the video, but Robin oh, Banks. But Robin Banks is, is part of that. Okay. Of that. But yeah. um, one of the drag queens in the video is like saying, yeah, like you can be whatever you want to be, blah, blah, blah. And then a little girl says, like, I want to be a superhero. And they say, yeah, mm -hmm. you can be a superhero, right? right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I think we fail to see that even our children are associating certain, like, characteristics with gender. So mm -hmm. it's very possible that a girl doesn't feel like she could be a superhero because right. she's a girl. It's very possible that she can't be a cop or a firefighter and things like that. So those conversations are important even for kids who will grow into just being cis identifying people. Like mm -hmm. it is important to understand that. So we went back and forth and someone was like, cause I was like, first of all, it's like being gay is not a choice. Like no one is saying, I'm just going to be gay today. Mm -hmm. That's not how that works. Mm -hmm. And then I was being challenged on that. And the challenge was, Oh, so then pedosexuals are also oh. in that same vein, oh right? So if you're going to protect the rights of gay people, then you're also going to protect the rights of pedophiles, right? Because they don't have a choice. And I was like, if you want to argue that they don't have a choice, I can argue that they might have a mental illness or have suffered a severe trauma that leads them to do those actions. So sure, maybe they don't have a choice, but one is an abuse to another person and the other one is a consented relationship between two people. It is not the same thing. So, I'm exhausted from the conversation. I haven't yeah. even had so, it. And like, then they sent me this post of, of this lesbian woman who was like, 
it's don't believe it. It's a lie. Being gay is a choice. Everything we do oh, every day. This white you. lesbian woman. I was like, first of all, Yo, if people right? like <laughs> literally took all that time that they waste to like attack all these things and use it for their own life. Their life would be even happier. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, is at the end of the day, don't be an asshole. Don't be a dick. Love um, everyone. I think it's so important at a young age to introduce it because it's gonna be better for the future. Yeah. You know, it's like. We can't worry about the old people that that won't change their minds. Like yeah. they're gonna mm-hmm. be dead soon. Let's yeah. worry about our future, where we're making people's lives easier. And I also the top on that right. is like you should talk about it because the world is changing. A lot mm-hmm. of these things were covered up. Yeah. Now they're out there. So same thing with how it, when we grew up, we didn't have iPads and all, and that, all that stuff. Shit, yep. mm-hmm. But now the kids are learning iPads and all that stuff. Hi, why? Because they had to adapt to society and what's going. So now you have to adapt to society and what's going on in this world where people are like, fuck it, I'm going to be myself and I'm going to be open and I'm going to be this. Yep. All right. And now you have a child. I'm like, what is that? This is a human this being. This is what it is. This yeah. is what it mm-hmm. is. You know what I'm saying? So you have to explain those things. Man. And it's such a thing when, like, I know as a teacher, just kind of seeing people who are struggling with their identity and, like, not knowing that they're struggling with their identity. Mm-hmm. So they're acting out because something's wrong, but they don't know what the fuck is wrong because mm. they're 12 years old and they don't understand the idea that, you know, that one minor switch could be the end all fix all for mm-hmm. what they're going through and like to bear witness to it but then also be in a position where I can't really say anything because mm-hmm. that's the parents mm-hmm. role right. or that's the the child's therapist role or whatever mm-hmm. you know you know that all this stuff is going on and you can't say anything that's why programs like this are important because you're allowing this the uh, the youth to come to this conclusion on their own yeah and uh, and saying it's okay yep mm-hmm. yep but. it fucking sucks um another th- awesome thing though going on uh so sasha baron cohen aka bo rat yes, which is how most amazing. people know <laughs> oh yeah so <laughs> he posted a 10 minute teaser for his new showtime series uh who is america um which actually premieres this sunday night uh which i'm very excited to see um I don't even want to say too much of what the clip was because if people haven't watched it yet, it's genius. It's <laughs> genius, but it is also terrifying. Like yep. that just uh, he talks we they touch on gun laws and um, basically prepare like should kids how early should kids learn how to use guns? Um, and that's all I'll say about that mm-hmm. because the way mm-hmm. he like he's talking to like actual politicians and real mm-hmm. people in the world who have actual weight in decisions and w- the things that he convinces them to say mm-hmm. with with honesty and passion and do with him ridiculous like so i just want to shout it out i think everybody should watch it if y'all <laughs> think this is some whack thing this is not even like Borat. this is something it's so funny but also crazy <clears throat> it's like, crazy yeah yeah it's eye opening it's even important more to watch. eye opening it's so important to watch because even people, as much as we think we know about mm-hmm. how other people are thinking and their beliefs, like it is important that we hear mm-hmm. that shit so we actually understand how deep it runs for people. Mm-hmm. It's not a game out here. We got some ignorance. So Skittles. Yes, I saw. Sorry to bother you. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, have you seen it? Great movie. Isn't it? Yes. Isn't I left it? with a headache, honestly, because there was just so much shit thrown mm-hmm. at me in the movie. But I really did enjoy it. It's a really great movie. Um, a lot of commentary and symbolism in that. And, like, I love that um, 
it was people of color, but it was really people of color. Like you had an Asian in the uh, Asian character in the lead, yeah. um, and uh, you know, obviously the lead black guy who was going through right. everything. Um, I don't know. I really enjoyed it. I was like I said, I had a headache by the yeah. end because I was like, oh my god. I mean, if people haven't watched it at this point, y'all waited too long. The point <laughs> where he's like, where they're like, rap for us, rap for us. Oh rap my us. god, <laughs> nigga shit, nigga shit. Oh, nigga, I, nigga, oh nigga, nigga let me. Shit. I was like, can I also? I like, wow. All right, I also forgot to point this part out. I went to go see it at um, Lincoln Center Lowe's, the AMC mm-hmm, Lowe's. Mm-hmm. And me and my friend were the only people of color in the audience. Wow. Wow. So that was also an experience in and of itself yeah. because everybody around me was white. Yeah. Um, but that part, like, <laughs> I when I tell you I was sitting there with my face just like, <laughs> in shock. oh my God. Yeah. I'm like, I could feel like the white people just like cringing, cringing <laughs> and, and like tensing up around me. It was crazy. Yeah, I just want to circle back because I saw that you said that you had seen it. And I was like, because I talked about it in a previous episode. Like, I saw it like the week it came out though. So no one had really seen it. Mm. It's really, if you haven't seen it yet, Go out oh and watch that God. shit. It is the get out of the summer. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I, ha- I feel like I have to see it again because I feel like there I might be things that I missed. Oh, but that's why that's uh-huh. why Ren, so Ren, who was on our last episode, was like, "Yeah, let's see it, but let's see it once you've seen it once because mm-hmm. you're gonna have to see it again." So, yeah, you know, if anybody is down to watch it a second time, we're about to make <laughs> you some field motherfucking yes. trip. Invite your white friends because they need to come. <laughs> learn yeah. Uh, so next thing. Yes. Yeah, so the VMA nominations were released, and Cardi B is. Leading the pack with ten nominations. That's fucking right. Yeah. That's so right. I, on one hand, I'm like, yes, Cardi B, like mm-hmm. fuck it up. But then, like, why was Janelle Monae snubbed so hard? Like, mm-hmm. um, Janelle Monae released "Dirty Computer" this year, and it is a piece of art. It is like a visual. It's a visual album Are you along ready with. Ready for it. Yeah, I like. I love her. She's, like she's amazing. She is amazing, and like, she is nominated, but she's nominated for like. Best direction. Like in the video. Put wow. that bitch like yeah. artist of the year. Like put that video of the year. Like um yeah. video with a message. Pink was 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 pink her her song Pink, not, yeah. The, artist yeah, not pink, the artist Pink. Was um was nominated. I, I just feel like she was snubbed from categories that she is very much able to be a part of and mm-hmm. the in the crew of people that have been yeah. nominated. And it's looking like you know, yes, Childish Gambino, um, This Is America got nominated, and, and you know, of course, Jay-Z and Beyonce got nominated, but it's kind of like we're playing the field of nominating real art, but then also nominating, like, industry right. yeah. products. Right. And it's like, are we going to go hard and really push art art, or are we just going to put in whatever the right. big-name artist is putting out as art, you know? Um, another thing, the barbs are in arms because um, Nicki Minaj's Chan Lee is nominated for hip hop of best hip hop video, but this is only her 10th nomination. So like in four albums, Nicki Minaj has only been nominated wow. 10 times, whereas Cardi B comes out, which let's be honest, Cardi B is an industry product. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And gets 10 nominations right off the bat. Right so away. it's like, she what are we doing? Came, <laughs> you know, I honestly, and it's interesting to me because even like as a, someone who listens to hip hop, I don't really listen to Nicki Minaj, mm-hmm. but I fucking love Cardi B 
And it has troubled me a little bit how much of an industry product she's become. It really hit me when she did her SNL episode and there was a skit. I think I talked about this in the Mm -hmm. other episode too, where the white girls are like talking like Cardi B and being all hardcore and how cool they thought they were. And I was like, nah, cut that shit. There's just a difference in their come up Mm -hmm. um, where Cardi B women are sort of destined to fail unless they're quote unquote like fucking their way to the top or Mm -hmm. there's always some sort of demeaning way in which they have to make it where someone who because as much as I don't listen to Nikki I do have a great deal of respect for her like she's out here she's hustled and she really like brought you know females back into hip-hop in a way not that there weren't females around but the way Mm -hmm. that she came in like a powerhouse reminded people Bitches could rap too. Like, y'all are out mm-hmm. here, but we're out here. So I always appreciated that about her. And in a way, the way she did that allowed room for Cardi to be Cardi in the way that she is. But I don't know. There's just mm-hmm. something that's authentic about her, or for me, more seemingly authentic about Cardi B. Mm-hmm. Um, because Cardi B still being Cardi B. And I see how everybody's trying to commercialize it, but she's not trying to commercialize herself. She mm-hmm. is just being herself and trying to make this money. Like, she's not out here to hurt nobody. Mm-hmm. Her big explosion, like, even if Cardi B wasn't this big, I feel like she still would have been just making, like, you know, these little mm-hmm. trap albums. She would have been fine. She just was fine being Cardi, and it just so happens that she blew mm-hmm. up. Yep. So I'm here for it. Um, and hopefully this happening for Cardi means that, you know, next year we can have just more females, even in the rap categories, all together. Because mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of other female rappers out there who don't get enough love. Yeah. So. I also noticed that they brought back the best Latin video. Well, they had to. Yeah. Because we're back. (laughs) So we're popular again. We have to, which I mean, like literally, it was even kind of bullshit that we didn't, that uh, the Luis Fonsi song didn't win that Grammy. Yeah. Yeah. Because they literally broke records. That was the biggest song of the year. Like literally the biggest song of the year. And people always argue, oh, well, it's about numbers. It's not just about like favoritism and talent. I was like, so then what was it there, motherfucker? Mm -hmm. What was the answer there? So I'm glad that we're making that comeback for sure. All right, and last on our list, we have black-owned cosmetics line Pat McGrath Labs is set to surpass Kylie Jenner Cosmetics in valuation. Great. Um, so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it up. Black girl magic. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like, what else to say on that. But yeah, the Kylie I know Pat McGrath. I, I know Pat McGrath, like, the brand is popping. Like, yeah. yes, it is, it is a great brand. And Kylie Jenner's brand isn't that good. Like... I'm sorry. Whatever. I don't care. No, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Well, you would know. You, you, I mean, like, you know, I, mean, like, I don't have really stake in it. My whole shit is just like, you're a Kardashian out here and you're being proclaimed as like this self-made out. You're not self-made. Mm. You're not, you're, you're literally What's like. What's crazy is that they have a GoFundMe for her. Like, yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That, that was like. People upset me when they do shit like that. Because the same motherfucker donating to Kylie will be the same motherfucker talking about drag queen shouldn't be reading to kids in school. Uh, yeah. uh, How about you put your money in something that's good and shut seriously. the fuck up. Um, yeah. So that's really dope. And um, I, there are other brands, like someone was saying, uh, you know, we need to buy more Fenty then, or we need to mm-hmm. buy, um, what is it, Exo Nicole, that lips, lipstick line, mm-hmm. which got dubbed during Shark mm-hmm. Tank. Like, there's so many brands out here. Mented Cosmetics is actually a really, really awesome brand. They're on the come up, um, and their whole uh, sort of, like, pitch is we make nude lip colors for women of color because the nude lip colors that exist mm-hmm. do not cater to anyone with any type of melanin. Mm-hmm. So there's so many brands out there we just have to like continue to big them up buy them share their post mm-hmm. and all that shit so that we're buying in places where our money comes to fruition uh all right so let's move into our tuta loca is where we call <laughs> motherfuckers out for doing the most 
I would be remiss if I didn't mention Trump and his little Russia <sighs> slip up. This motherfucker was like your man who you literally went into his DMs. You've seen the whole conversation with the girl that he wasn't supposed mm-hmm. to be talking to. And he's still out here like, that wasn't even me. My friend yes. took the phone. Yes. Yes. Da, 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 da. Yeah. You know what I mean? The motherfucker literally came back and was like, oh, it was like misunderstood what I should have said. I mean, I know I said these words, but what I really meant yeah. to say Fuck you. I said would, but I meant wouldn't. Like, you know, and and it it didn't make any sense. All evidence has... There's too much evidence that is pointing to a collaboration with Putin and Trump. We know that Russia interfered with the elections. That's already known. So what the fuck are we going to do about it? Nothing. (laughs) Honestly, it's like, it's just like, sorry to bother you. The information is out there. Yeah, I did it. Yeah, you could say whatever you want, but nothing's going to happen. It's just scary. It's all part of a plan, and it is what it is. It's and so it's like yeah. So it's like it's it's scary and it's crazy, but it's like you know yeah we can say all these things we can do all these try to do all these things but at the end of the day it's like we're throwing these pennies at this wall mm. and it's coming back and it's frustrating because it's like I could change my life but I can't change this corruption that's going on and mm. what they want for this fucking world and. I remember, you know, I, I feel like back in the days when we all was together and Martin Luther King and all stuff, we all was a unity. I was speaking this with somebody. I was like, I lost hope in that because we was once all unified together where we was on that line and everybody was like, Yo, if I get bit by a dog, if I get shot, I'm still coming back tomorrow. We all going to be together. That's not, that's not happening. That's not the case nowadays. No, no one's going to do no. that. And like my spiritual teacher said, there's too many side, so many small groups fighting for so many things mm. that they're like, yeah, great. Keep on doing that. And then while you're doing that, we're going to focus on something else. So then when this shit gets big, guess what? We're going to throw another loophole here and then you're going to be all mad here. All, yeah. And then we're going to do something else. So it's like a never ending trend for this bigger picture that they're working on. And I'm sorry to talk about it, but it's just, it's just frustrating because it's like, yeah, no, they're saying, true. yes, I fucked this. And fucking Trump is just like, yeah, I'm an asshole. I do this under that. I, whatever. I don't care. I can't even stand to see this man on uh, any type of screen Mm -hmm. or anything like I watched the video because it was on my timeline and then I was like why the fuck did I watch this video (laughs) (laughs) because it's it's literally frustrating and I think uh, that's a great point you make about unity there are so many different people trying to have their voice heard but the issue with unity I think at this point is that even with those groups understanding how marginalized they are and how terrible that is even with each other, there are things that they don't agree with sometimes. Mm, mm. So like, yeah, the Latino fight is the black fight, but there's a bunch of Latinos who don't believe they're black, right? Mm. So how are you going to get somebody to say black and, lives matter if yep. they don't think they're black? And even that's exactly what they want because it said, all right, the power is in with the people, but what if the the people go against each other? Mm-hmm. And what mm-hmm. if we fuel this? It's And easier. what if we uncover everything? United, we stand divided, and then, we fall. And then they fight each other, and then we'll mm-hmm. keep doing what we gotta do. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's a, it's a thing that's been happening for so many years, and everything's coming all back yeah, again. Yeah, and they dismantled. Yeah. I mean, when you think about the 50s into the 60s, like, historically, what happened was that that entire movement in unity was dismantled by the government. So, like, yes, they killed Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, well, Malcolm X was shot by his own group, but right. ha- were, were white people happy about that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when we go into the Black Panthers and the Young Lords, like, they used to work together, right? And mm-hmm. the Young Lords were the Boricua group, and, you know, mm-hmm. Black Panthers had black people, but, like, they understood their blackness, 
together. And they mm-hmm. understood that together they needed to build up their communities. And so they had like free lunch programs and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And they dismantled those groups. The government literally dismantled those groups and put people in a position of fear where it was like, either they're going to kill me or I'm going to shut the fuck up and this group will hush up or we'll go underground. And so I think, but they don't teach our kids that. Like I didn't learn that in high school. I learned that in college because I decided to take a civil rights history class. So I think the more that we actually understand how the government plays a role in dismantling our like anti-movements, then the more we can be smart about it. Because I actually do think that this generation has the tools to do just that bigger and better because we are smarter and faster than a lot of, which is why motherfuckers like Trump need Russia to interfere. He needs their smart, you know, Mm. motherfuckers to come Mm. in and dig information and fool us so that they can get ahead. Um, Anyway, next, um, Trump again. So um, today it was, you know, revealed, like it's on tape, Um, that Trump's health secretary had said that um, the idea that we can't find the kids and connect them, the the immigrant kids that are being uh, caged from Mexico, that we can actually connect it and that the database, he said, quote, um, is as easy as a keystroke. So that he can just go into the system and like he can find the names of any kids and the family members and be able to connect them. Now, they have a deadline for when they need to figure out how they're going to reunite families. And they're making it seem like it's this big black mystery and nobody knows how to do it. But now we know it's actually not that difficult. Right. So today there's more than 2000 children that are separated from their families here in the U.S. And only 14 percent of them have been reunited. And, and they literally have, like, a week left. So it's not mm. like they have a whole month to figure it out. They have seven days, and it's court-ordered, so they have to meet that deadline. Uh, and, you know, the, I, I know right now there's, like, 71 parents in the database that can't be found, but we have 2,000 kids who and, – and I believe the exact number is 2,551. Wow. Yeah. And then they're going to they're gonna say, oh, we lost them, and then they're going to sell them off and then do something. It's horrible. There have like been the reports real, of rape. That is the, the realistic thing. All that. It's horrible. Yep. horrible. It's, it's... And then it'll go away. Yeah, it'll absolutely go away. And then you'll see a documentary about it probably 10 years from now. Oh, yeah. Remember those 1,000 kids and, well, these are the three survivors. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you're like, Mm -hmm. what the hell? And then by that time, it's too late. It's too late. corruption. It's sad. It's just sad. (laughs) It's almost troubling to me that I can have the conversation and, like, I can move along to the next topic. Almost just tell, like, like that wasn't some shit. There's so much shit these days that I don't even have energy to, like, sink into Mm -hmm. each piece of shit that gets thrown my way. Like... Mm -hmm. I, but yeah. that's life, right? You watch the news, it's like, well, Cardi B been nominated for 10 things. Congrats, Congrats to her. Congrats, like, mm-hmm. yeah. And by the way, the 2,000 kids that are have right. seven days to and be And then found. you're like, oh. oh. Let me play Cardi B. Tomorrow's like, going to be 80 like, degrees, like, though. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Like, oh. that's, it's, it's really hard to keep up. And then, like, in the same Trump train, so um, Cohen, uh, who is Trump's for, former attorney, um, has a recording about tr- with Trump discussing payment for someone else who was his mistress, uh, Karen McDougal, um, where he's literally talking about the specific arrangements of how he's going to pay her off to shut her up for like an affair. So apparently his camp and his new lawyer, Rudy Julie Fuckingani, mm-hmm. is not concerned because he says he didn't actually go through with the payment and it never happened. So it was just a conversation, but nothing actually ever happened. Right. So, you know what I mean? And then we have, like, last week, Stormy Daniels got arrested, right, Um, which was a total setup, as we discussed in the past episode. Um, And it's interesting to me because this same woman, Karen McDougal, um, she, like, worked alongside this, like, 
agency because she was going to sell her story on Trump right before he was running. And so they shut her, they paid her $150,000 to shut up about it. Or not to shut up about it. They paid her that for the story, but then they never released the story because the guy who worked for the company, I believe it was AMI is the name of the company, was Trump's friend. So it's like, oh, yeah, so we paid her. We took her story, but now it's our story. She can't do anything with it and, like, shut the fuck up. So, you know what I mean? There's always always such little layers to this. And even with the Stormy Daniels thing, like, she blatantly said, like, yes, we had sex. Like, no, I did not enjoy it. And, like, there was hush money involved. Like, there is hush money involved. Um, but, you know, whatever. It's just interesting to me that those sorts of stories happen and then there's going to be a bigger story. Something's going to happen that's going to, like, overshadow this so that the people who are still blind to Trump, it's almost like no one's letting them get woke. Like, every moment mm-hmm. that they could get woke without it being a black person or someone else, like, mm-hmm. coming after them gets shadowed because of the way the media is and because they don't either have access to the information or just don't have the urgency to get Mm. away from fake news. Um, And then, again, so the NRA recently admitted to receiving uh, 23 Russian-linked donations. Now, previously they were saying, like, no, like, we're not accepting anything from any Russian links, blah, 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 blah. Now it turns out that there are about 23. um, And so... The sum of money it was like two thousand five hundred dollars, so it wasn't a lump, a large lump sum of money. But the idea here is not that it was a lot of money, but that there was that there's links between the NRA and the Russians mm. that could also sort of feed into the conspiracy about what's happening with elections and why certain policies aren't cha- changed. In essence, the NRA is in Russia's pocket or Trump's pocket or whoever is the... Because it's hard to tell who's the puppet master here at this point. Um, Yeah, and so that is within itself is an issue. And it's small, like it's a small sentence, but I wanted to bring it up because these are the little things that happen that we just don't hear about or don't think, oh shit, that makes a lot of sense. So when you have a slip up, going back to our first point about Trump slipping up like that, is it really a slip up? Or do we just not all know the evidence that proves that he's just fucking lying? He's just that, I tell you, the nigga lying about <laughs> being in the DM. Nigga, because you mm. was in her DM on Facebook and Instagram. And what about that other bitch on Snapchat? Like, mm. I see everything. Stop playing me. Um, next to Taloka is, goes to more white people. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> calling the cops on people of color. So, um, yeah. we had... Um, Someone, uh, this these black dudes were playing oh, white guys playing God. basketball, so and he up. got fouled, and he thought the foul was a real like hardcore act of aggression. So he called the cops on the dude because he got fouled during a basketball game, a pickup basketball game. It wasn't even anything that serious. So when the cops come, the dude's friend is recording the cop, and he's like, "Have you ever been called yeah. for something <laughs> like this? Like, is this common?" And then the cop is like, "No." Like even the cop in the video is like, "No, actually, I've never." heard anything like joke. this in my life i just don't understand like <laughs> what do you expect the cop to do like take it e- like him to say take it easy be like or like did you or did, was his intent was to really like let take him to jail and let him learn his lesson not to foul that uh, like foul that hard right you know what I'm like what like, what, did, what, what was the mentality yeah. of playing uh, ball motherfucker we out here like i don't understand it was done but then that wasn't even the only one um yeah. so we have Coupon uh, Carl, yes. right? Yes, can you Coupon tell me Carl. about Car- so, Coupon Carl? Coupon Carl, it's a Harvard CVS, and this CVS employee called the cops on a woman just because she was, like, 
asking him about a fucking coupon that was like expired or some shit like that. Like literally <laughs> like she was trying to use a coupon. He didn't want to let her use it or some shit like that. And he called the cops on her. But the real reason why I wanted to bring this up is because there's a video of the Daily Blast Live. Apparently it's a show where um, one of the hosts, Erica Cobb, who is a black woman, explained to the panel that um, this happens because black skin is weaponized and people automatically see the black skin, your black skin, your darker skin tone. Mm-hmm. And once you get heightened, they get afraid. Yeah. But it's not because uh, it, it's because that automatic like because black skin is weaponized, they automatically feel threatened that way. Um, her, her co-host, Bo Davidson, argued that we need to take race out and that people need to stop filming these situations. Mm. That if we just treat it, treated every situation like this with compassion and kindness, that it wouldn't get to the point of getting the, the police called on you. Mm-hmm. And in that same conversation, Bo Davidson gets upset with Erica Cobb because Erica Cobb gets heated, gets elevated. And he's like, well, see how you're talking to me? So in the same like right. conversation of black skin gets weaponized, this is, you know... Uh, people are filming it because it's a matter of life or death. Like, once you start calling the cops, now you're um, in, intruding and uh, impeding, I don't know what the fuck word to use, on my uh, my rights. So now I'm going to film you so that you don't do some stupid shit. Right. And in that same conversation, he's like, no, well, like, look at you. You're getting heated up. <laughs> like, like, literally, like, using it against her and proving her point correct. It really irks me when people try to corner people and, like, agitate them to help support their point. As though it is fucking, like, out of pocket that she would be getting passionate mm. about something like right. that. It's, it's really interesting. And then, like, another, so another instance was this white woman, like, slapped a 15-year-old boy, called him a nigga, and told him and his friends that they had to leave. Now, he was invited by his friend to this pool. So he had the right to be there. They weren't trespassing. Uh, But they hadn't done anything. Like, they actually, like, nothing had happened. They didn't, like, hit anyone. They weren't being rowdy. She saw them and she got, she felt some type of way. And you see her in the video, she literally slaps the shit out of the boy. Wow. Um, And gets away with it. And, you know, and the boy was just like, so in the report that I was watching, the reporter asked, well, what did you do when she said you had to leave? I said, okay, yes, ma'am. And Mm. I started walking around. She kept chasing me. That really where like was it like she where was like where was i it? forgot what state uh, this was in but she uh, i'll look it up I'll, I'll give, but mm-hmm. it really it really really bothers me uh south carolina mm. which was one of the places where i first ever experienced racism so i'm not mm. surprised but like but she got um she's facing assault and battery charges for it great but even the fact that it happened like the fact that this woman felt like she could slap the shit out of somebody else's child for being in a pool is ridiculous um then it goes back to that but no one was talking about about that aggression how about how white people react to fear Mm -hmm. and how big it is like we can't have that conversation right and then um in dc there was a cab driver who um had a gay black man in the back and the dude was on the phone he he used the word darling in his conversation. So the dude, um, and I don't know the nationality of the driver. He did look like he could be Middle Eastern, but he could have also been Latino. I, ca- I couldn't really tell, but he stopped the car and told the dude to get out the car that he wasn't going to drive him. 
And so, of course, the dude was like, what? Like, and it was after his shift, like, mad late mm. at night. He was like, no. And so they go start going back and forth. So the Uber driver calls the cops on the guy to get him out the car. And so the dude records him. And I felt, you know, at, it really sort of, like, hurt me to have to see it. Because at first, he's just like, see, look at this ignorant man, blah, blah, mm. blah. But then he starts getting, like, the dude recording starts getting agitated. And he's like, you see, because it's not just white people calling the cops on black people. It's not just white people calling cops. It's all, you know, and he's like, I already have to deal with this shit for being gay. Like, I come from a day where I have to deal with people being mad at me for being gay. And now, you know, I can't even go home because I, I use the word darling. He's like, I have an, uh, uh, a grandfather who I talk to on the mm. phone who's not gay. And he'll be like, hey, baby, how you doing? baby it's a word it's how we speak it's a southern thing that's not a gay thing i didn't say darling because i'm gay i said it because i'm southern like literally and just the passion and it really triggers me when i see people suffering like that because of other people's ignorance like mm-hmm. and then after the cops left it took the dude 30 minutes to hail another uber to get home so just think about that like and who knows if he had a job the next morning he has something to do the next morning he can't say oh i'm sorry i'm late because i was tired because i got mm-hmm. you know what i mean like these excuses don't darling. stand up in our day-to-day lives but we as people of color have to deal with more things than other people have to deal with on a day-to-day basis but have no wiggle room for it and it really fucking sucks so i wanted to bring that up that's fucking stupid yeah so well today the root published an article um, where it was basically a list of everything that a straight man cannot do or else he would be considered gay. Um, and on this, on, I'm trying to click the link, but on, on the um, list was things like uh, eating, eating a bananas, banana. Popsicles, <laughs> lollipops, kale, salads, do yoga, <laughs> intricate dances with yeah. women. <laughs> like... Just like the stupidest things. Eat um, pussy is on there, which or have anal sex with a woman is yeah. also on there. Um, Ooh, do yoga. Straight guy. Yeah, like, it's these, l- these are things that it's a literally guy can't do. A running list of of things straight men can't do and shouldn't do because it'll make us gay. Like exfoliate, have a regular skin <laughs> read novels, be an adult male virgin. Bananas are delicious though, but like, yeah. why can't I eat a banana? <laughs> well, it's all it's how it's sexualized, right? So like, even yeah. the picture in the headline is mm. a dude uh, like eating a banana in a way that could be like interpreted as like sexual. Um, and I love that this came up because it. <laughs> It also reminds me of the the conversation I was having with the dudes about the drag queen reading yeah. in the classroom. I'm like, it's really what I really wanted to say, but I didn't want to violate someone on Facebook because I'd rather do it in their face. Yeah. Is you are mad and your masculinity is being poked right now in a way that is uncomfortable to you. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be in a classroom with a drag queen reading to you. So thus you want to make it about your kids and protecting your children when really you're just protecting your masculinity and your ignorance. Yeah. And let's let's let me make it clear that the root also categorizes it under fragile masculinity. So yeah. it's not the yeah. Yeah, they're not We're agreeing. Not saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like a joke. It's a sarcastic it's a, it's a, it's a, thing. It's a, it's a but of piece. course, this is something that like you would see a, a straight guy reblog and say, "I completely agree with this because I hate bananas. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> I hate popsicle sticks. I love they even have hold a purse for even a second because there have been times where like <laughs> I've been with dudes and like, it, like they hold my bag for a second. We keep walking and I like genuinely forget that they are holding my bag and they're like. Yeah, take your shit. Like, oh you know what God. I mean? And it's like, bro, I'm sucking your dick tonight. You're straight. It's okay. Hold my bag. Nah, but it's gay. If you're sucking it. I have holding right, your bag. bag. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Like, 
<laughs> you know, cooking by methods other oh than grilling, God. smoking, and frying. Oh, my is God. Gay. <laughs> so don't expect a souffle from a straight man, apparently. Anyway, um, so next thing. Next thing on Tuta Loca, Wild and Out versus Zelia. Now, I don't really God, know where the hell I stand on this. Um, because, you know, Zelia is always controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, problematic fave, I like to call her. Um, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but I think like, she's not wrong in calling them out. Apparently she was going to be on wild and out. Um, they told her that she didn't need to prepare anything that she was just going on to sing her, her song. And then that was it. Um, but when they got there, you know, apparently they were cracking jokes on her. They were cracking jokes about her skin color and how she's ugly and how like she was there because they couldn't get Cardi B and she started crying. Um, and then she went on a rant on Instagram about how that situation, how like she was tight about it because they were cracking jokes on her. She wasn't crying because she was feeling sensitive. She was crying because she couldn't say what she actually wanted to say. Mm. And then she made a comment on um, Nick Cannon saying like, oh, well, if I said Nick Cannon only has a year left to live because he's sick with lupus, then I'd be wrong. <coughs> so she said that, right? Mm. Um, Nick Cannon screenshotted it and was like, we'll pray for you, blah, 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 whatever. Now, some people are saying that she's absolutely correct in it because Wild and Out has a tendency to make fun of darker-skinned girls um, while glorifying light-skinned girls. Um, but then other people are saying that Azealia just can't hang because everybody gets roasted on, on Wild and Out. Like, they've said that, like, Nick Cannon has, they make fun of his marriage with Mariah, his failed rap career, like, all this shit. So, yeah, yeah, but they also kun out a lot. They mm. do. Um, and I think that to, it can the two things can coexist. Like, we can have the conversation about Azealia and whether or not you think she deserves to be, like, you know, made fun of because of things she said in the past. You can try to make that argument. But in that same vein, it's like when it's not Azealia Banks and other women who aren't known as, quote-unquote, attacking other people, you would still make jokes like that. So... Mm. But how many times have we let shit like that slide on that show without calling them out? Because that's what we do. We like protect each other. It's 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 interesting thing. It's like my theory is we protect each other as a community because we know how bad shit would be if we were white and we were being as aggressive or hard on the community. So we don't mm. want to make ourselves suffer or go through it more than we have to. So little shit like that is not our priority, right? But it's important. And I think that Azealia always finds herself in situations where she's actually, her larger points actually Mm. make a lot of sense and are Mm. things that have to be spoken about. But people will overshadow that fact by just using the fact that she's Azealia Banks and they think that she's a hater and she just talks shit all the time. So let's focus on that. So I think Mm. the conversation is really around that. Like, how much are we cooning ourselves out and entertaining? And like, yes, black people watch that show. And yes, we cut ass on each other, like, in the community in ways that are rude Mm. and, like, really grimy and sting. But... It doesn't mean that on a public scale where you have white kids and people, other people seeing us, because it's not just for us, there's other people watching it, how they interpret that, um, especially around colorism, especially around mm. colorism. I don't appreciate that. I think that that's an internal issue that we have not tackled. I mean, last week we were talking about, you know, or no, two weeks ago we were talking about like dark pussy, right? right? And the idea that no matter how much you try to spin it, whether you like that dark pussy or not, if I ask you what is the image of a perfect pussy and like whatever, mm-hmm. the first image is not a black woman's pussy. 
That's mm. true. That is not. You that's think true. about this pretty pink pussy, and that's because of the way society has conditioned you. I think of tan, though. Tan, but 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 not but not like black. But you don't think black, yeah. right? Like there's, uh-huh. it's still on the lighter side of a spectrum. Um, so I'm, I think, uh, yeah, the two can coexist, and maybe that lupus joke could have been kind of rough. Um, but so mm-hmm. was Pusha T when he called out. Um, I forgot this dude's name. Um, uh, Drake's friend who like yeah. makes his beat and produces. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like. That happens, and that is part of that nature. And so, if they're talking about her dishing and taking it, then like, yeah, take your little lupus joke, motherfucker. I think she should like, <laughs> like take it all. I mean, she like for me, just being the outside looking, I think she also could be. She could have solved that situation by what if she felt like she was bombarded at that moment. She could have said, "Listen, I don't feel comfortable with these jokes, and um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna leave." Like yeah. if you know your strong suit is not clock, you know, crapping back at them or whatever, blah blah. Like, but it is her strong suit. Right. Which yeah. is which is why I was kind mm. of like shocking. Hmm, like yeah. you you cried because I feel like knowing Azelia that would be her you know, yeah. her, you know like that she would maybe the other, thrive in that environment. Yeah. <laughs> the other the other probably the other thing too is like if her mental's probably not all stable, right? So they probably got her on a day where something where you thought mm-hmm. like, I don't think this was going to bother her, but it triggered her, you know, right. just because mm-hmm. of that moment, her mental wasn't all there. Maybe something was happening, whatever, blah, blah. Yep. And she's, someone said that joke and now she's flipping. And now everybody's like, yo, what the, relax. It was just a regular black joke or whatever. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It wasn't something crazy, but now she's feeling like she's attacked and then, they wanted to attack her. They yeah. brought her on there because they wanted yeah, to say shit like that. Too. And they wanted her yeah. to do exactly what she stopped herself from doing. They wanted her to go out there, show her ass, mm-hmm. and get all that stuff because that is why, that's why they invited her. And also, honestly, if you're on that platform, you know the coonery jokes. You know all mm-hmm. the jokes that they do. You should be prepared already that you put yourself yeah, in that situation. That was, that was another thing on her end. I was like, okay, you said they said you didn't mm-hmm. have to prepare. You, you should have exactly. You should have yeah. just had like your little book of jokes, you know, mm-hmm. get, get you get a call sheet before you're on TV. So yeah. get a call sheet, look at who's going to be there and, and prepare. Just laugh it off yeah. and just, you know? just be like, All right, I'm leaving. And, yeah, and, no, and I'm I, hey, so. I do believe that she was prepared and her soul was prepared the minute she heard whatever she heard. She just knew that whatever she had to say, we want to cut ass. She was really about to cut some deep ass and it was not PG enough for no for TV. No TV, yeah, yeah. That's my theory. <laughs> just wasn't be. I, I would love. I wish she would have just gone on Twitter and just said every single joke. I wish. <laughs> I wish she would have done a play by play of the episode and just jumped in and been like, "And here's my joke. Ah ha! Ah ha! You got lupus. Like whatever she was yeah. gonna say. Uh-huh. I would whatever. But you know that's my home girl, so I always have a little bit of a like, soft spot. Yeah, soft problematic spot. fave. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I say. Like I she she gets into all these issues because. Me and Julissa are the two people that get the text of like, look at your homegirl. Yeah, people we literally always get like, say like, go get your homegirl. Go get your look girl. At your home look girl. what she said. And I'm like, listen, all right, why are we acting <laughs> like we know who she is already? We know who she is, but she is talented as fuck. At the end of the day, speaking about colorism, Michael B. Jordan mm. at his yacht party with filled with women, but now one of them was black. Wakanda what? Wakanda <laughs> where? <laughs> Wakanda where? <laughs> I never really fucked with Michael B. Jordan that I hard. I think he's sexy. I think he's okay. He's not that sexy to me. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just my initial like sort of distaste <laughs> with his was attitude, his yacht party. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like because I wasn't invited to the yacht party, uh, therefore 
I don't fuck with Michael B. Jordan. No, but we know this about him. Um, and so there's actually someone who I used to work with who knows someone on his team who was like, yeah, he is always like with white women. He only fucks around with white women. Mm. And I had another friend who worked for an airline and would like executive like shoot him from one side of the airport to another, always with white women. So, you know, that's not. That's also a that's thing. Okay. Within, like, that's okay. That's okay. But like why you had a yacht party full of women and why were none of them? Yeah, like, why I'm just curious. There black. might be a valid reason. I don't know. But what is the reason? Fuck, yeah, fuck that shit. It's colorism. <laughs> I think it's colorism. I think it's colorism, but who knows? Um, and I think with men like Michael B. Jordan, it really sucks because in our community, there are plenty of black women who love mm. and lust after mm-hmm. this wonderful man. And we big him up and they support him and they see his movies. And if it is true that he has a colorism issue and he actually like sort of like downplays beautiful dark women because they're dark, then I don't think we should be mm. going out well, and supporting him as the much. The devil's advocate. What if... He's just he like all right he he just likes white women he just ah, into white women that, the, age the, old, the, the age old the age old argument I think yeah. that <laughs> preference preference you know shouldn't determine inclusivity though like okay you have your preference but you can still invite black people how to your party how do you prefer but <laughs> how do you prefer someone off of the color of their skin you know what I mean like how how do I prefer you as a human being it's not what you think how you breathe the things you've done in your life. Because of the color of your skin, I can't really fuck with you. That's well, well, if we're taking it there, that's if like if we if we put in the words in his mouth saying if Michael B. Jordan is saying, and maybe I he's fuck, not saying any I'm, of this. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, just saying like like, like there's two different per- per- perspectives. Right. He's saying, yo, I don't fuck with tan skin or black people. I fuck with the white people more. I just like then they're like, whoa, why? But if he's just saying, I'm just more attracted to white women, then. For whatever reason, he says, I like, like for me, I'm attracted to color. I love like my color and I love like women of tan skin. I also love like white women, but I, there's just something of the tan skin that attracts me on a woman, whether it's black, Latina, whatever. You know I what I'm saying? I get it, but I don't at the same mm-hmm. time. Like I understand that, but my whole thing is like, if that is true, then can we say, yes, I am a product of a society that taught me, and not you specifically, Rick, but, like, I'm a product of a society that has taught me that white is right and, like, light skin is beautiful and pink pussy is prettier. And I have not been able to unlearn that. And thus, when I live and breathe in in the world, I'm still more attracted to white women than I am to dark women. But you have to understand where it's coming from. So right. to me, it's not about saying that you're wrong. We were socialized that way. You didn't mm. necessarily choose to have those preferences. The world taught you that these mm. were the right preferences to have or the mm. best choices to make. Uh, but we got to be honest. I think we have to start doing that. Like for me, I had, I came to a moment where I had to realize I used to say I was never going to date a black guy. Mm. I used to say that I didn't want to be around black guys because all the kids who would misbehave in my class were black. And, you know, the guys who were tigres that my mom would always talk about were black. Even if they were Latino, they were always the little morenitos. Mm. And I was always, like, warned against black men. And I fed into that stereotype based off of things that didn't really correlate. And so it wasn't until I was older and, like, I started feeling black guys. And I was like, damn, but he's really hot. But that's wrong because he's black. So this is going to go really, really wrong because Mm -hmm. he's black. I had to hear myself and catch myself and admit 
that that shit was ignorant and I was just being ignorant and that's the long and short of it. Mm. And so um, now I have the opposite problem where it's like I have a hard time being attracted to white people because, but not because of the color of their skin but because of the history of their people and how I think I won't fit into the context of their life, mm. which is another, so it's almost like a, I'm bouncing back. So I went from one end to the other, but I still understand the context that motivates my feeling. Mm. When people try to say, well, that's just what it is. So what? I just like this. No, there's more to that. You don't mm. just wake up and just not like black pussy. For what reason? What did black pussy do to you? What did black dick do to you? Anyway. So <laughs> speaking <laughs> of dick, uh, so, I want to talk about the naked truth about our the beauty of our bodies. Um, so beauty and the body. Uh, why are we so afraid to be naked? Hmm. Well, I feel, you know, it c- comes with, like, how we're brought up and the insecurities that we might, you know, we feel about ourselves and what society also says that is not acceptable to be naked and stuff like that. I don't... I think it, it comes with, like... Because, you when you're a baby, you could put a baby in Times Square and he walks around naked. He will look at you with the problem. Like, he doesn't care, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just this thing of, like, once we start putting these clothes of our fathers and mothers and sisters and brothers and everybody's else shit on top of each other, we become them and we don't become ourselves after a while. And then we now we have all this baggage that we don't. it takes even harder for us to accept ourselves. So mm-hmm. um, I just feel that... Uh, the insecurities and fears that doesn't allow us to be our true selves and just accept our body and just whatever. I'm naked. You know what I'm saying? I like what I see in the mirror. I think that's a great point because mm-hmm. for me, like naked is still a problem. Like mm-hmm. I, I have a friend who's a playwright who's like, yeah, like I have friends who like will sit around naked and write. And there's no sexual, like there's, it's not sexual tension. It's not about that. It's just we are comfortable being naked and we want to be naked. I could never do that for multiple reasons. I won't be comfortable. I wouldn't be comfortable. Not just because I feel like this in my body, but I'm just not used to that. I was never brought up in a house Mm. where, Mm -hmm. y'all, I'm going to do some writing. All right, hold up. Let me just get (laughs) it. You know what I'm saying? I was was like, I'm used to like having like underwear or whatever. You know what I'm saying? But if I take, if I feel comfortable enough to do it, I won't feel like insecure about my body because I'm not going to take I'm not going to take my clothes off because I'm insecure about body I'm just not going to take my clothes off because I'm not used to just doing that to write or mm-hmm. just cook some eggs I just right. don't do that right and the idea being like but why not right because if we uh-huh. were naturally born to be naked or if we're comfortable right. in our bodies then why not um, I know for me, like, yes, being overweight and being overweight my whole life has absolutely contributed to me not feeling comfortable naked alone I'm uncomfortable naked I'm uncomfortable naked during sex I'm uncomfortable naked period like it doesn't matter and it does come from like what I think my body should look like versus what it actually looks like but it's so like I envy people who could just be naked going to the beach in the pool like I do it because I love water but every time I'm getting into my bathing suit I have a moment of like I need to actually like pep talk myself to mm. walk outside in my bathing suit in any setting. Even if I'm in like a friend's backyard and it's just a couple of us being around my other friends who, who in my opinion would probably look more attractive in their swimsuits or whatever. That is too much for me. Like uh, Skittles was on a yacht for a mm. bachelorette party. Mm-hmm. I would have actually <laughs> had like an anxiety, an internal anxiety attack about being on that yacht with all these beautiful women in their like you know little bathing suits mm. and stuff, and me, I wouldn't have felt comfortable. Uh, see, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, <laughs> n- I don't know that I feel that insecure in terms of like the bathing suit thing. Like, but I also am just 
I, I don't know. I, I've gotten to a point where a bathing suit is going to be a bathing suit, and you're going to see my fat ass belly, even mm-hmm. if I'm wearing a shirt. So, like, right. um, but I understand that whole thing of, like, being overweight your entire life and knowing, like, what you should look like, um, knowing me personally, like, knowing that I even am more attracted to, like, muscular guys and stuff like that, but I'm not that muscular person, mm-hmm. you know? Um yeah, I th- all the same points really. Like that kind of like um I wouldn't choose to be naked in front of people. You know. Yeah. Home alone, I my ass is out, you know, yeah. but like in front of people, that's not something that I'm choosing to do. And even like something as simple as taking the shirt off. And this is something where like women were talking about like freeing the nipple and not being so sensitive when women are topless in front of us. Me, I'm like Oh, I'm gonna show my titties, you know, when I take a shirt off. But it's kind of like a comedic relief yeah. of like, I'm gonna make you laugh, then I'm gonna take my shirt right, off. Right. You mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Um, or something as simple as like, I have to change my pants, so I'm gonna dangle the pants that I'm gonna put on from here mm. so you don't see right. when I take when my I pants take off and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so I think I just developed little mannerisms to kind of conceal myself. But like being naked in front of people is like, what? Yeah. But I'll absolutely be in uh, a bathing suit. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how you did that show. I mean, like that, like, even uh, if though you were in a Speedo. Right. Like that to me, like, as like, and, like Juan said, like I, I have titties, I, so I have like two yeah. areas that would be like exposed. <laughs> but like, yeah, that would be terrifying. Like, I hate my tits. Like I have, I, I, I call them like floppy <laughs> because they like, they're, and, and it's me and I have one other cousin where both our tits are sort of like yeah. naturally shaped in a way where they're like facing a little down. And I'm like, damn, I didn't even, it wasn't even my posture that <laughs> fucked that up. Like I could have had good postures and my titties still just want to grow down yeah. for some reason, you know? And I'm like, damn, what's going to happen when I'm 80? Like, yeah. are they going to touch my knees? And I don't know. I just <laughs> think like, I just think like we should be taught like to really like and, and love ourselves and to love our bodies, you know, and like, not to pay so much attention to like, you know, this color is right. You know, this body type is right. You know, we should be able to just learn about ourselves and really accept that and really focus on that. And all the other noise doesn't matter. Easier said than done, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, oh, you're right. Wear that bathing suit and feel confident. No, but it takes years of developing that and being comfortable in your own skin yeah. and facing that mirror and each day taking the time to accept that. Like, for instance, like, I remember when I was, like, into working out and people was like, uh, yo, you should do this workout regimen so then you can get abs. And I said, I don't want abs. And it was like, why? I said, because you know what I have to fucking do for that one ab? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I have to stop all this rice. I have to fucking go to the gym every day. I don't want abs. It was like, no, yeah. but you have to, your, your whole frame, will, you're tall. You get, I, said, I don't want that. I just want to be active. Right. And whatever body I get by being active for 30 minutes, three times a week, I take. Right. I just don't want to be that. I have no mm. desire to be that. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been insecure. I always have like the skinny. I've always been skinny, but I had like a little beef out, a little gut yes, or whatever. The beef but I, I don't know where I, just, <laughs> I always was insecure about that. But after a while, I was like, fuck it. And then another thing was like, I'm going to be 80 years old. My dick is not going to work. I'm probably going to have <laughs> medication for like either diabetes or some shit. Like I'm Damn. my I'm going to be droopy. <laughs> I, that's the realistic shit. I can't keep abs and this beautiful body all the way to 90, 90 years old. Yeah. Because it's going to change. Some, your body's going to... We're not... First of all, 
at one point we was be able to live to 80. Now that she's cut to like 60. So like, you know, where life is going. So it's just like, live your life, take care of yourself, but also learn to just embrace the beautiful gifts that you have really inside. It sounds cliche, but I always been attracted to people that have an awesome personality and a great heart. You know, I didn't care what like size you were like I wasn't into super huge because I always said like I have sensitive hips so the if you <laughs> if you on top that shit hurt my head later said but I but I always embraced women that was called chubby or you know plumped or whatever I was like because at the end of the day if you can make me laugh and we can have a great time that's all I saw because at the end of the day we're probably gonna be both fat together. And that's, that's right. it. We're going to change. So. I'm just trying to find me a nigga that yes. want to sit down, watch some Netflix and be fat with me and not no. care. Like, you know <laughs> what I mean? And not, and not realistically in that way. But I just think that it's interesting that it doesn't matter how woke you are. Mm-hmm. Like, I can have this conversation. I think body positivity right. is awesome. When I see big girls like me or girls bigger than me, like owning their body and being sexy, I love that, and I think they're sexy, too. And mm-hmm. it's not because I'm like, oh, well, right. they're big, and it's the right thing to do to think that they're sexy, so I'm going to say, yeah, mm-hmm. you look awesome, when really I'm like, ew, bitch, you look gross. Like, no, uh-huh. I actually am like, wow, the way you fostered that, like, positive energy about yourself is fucking sexy, and I almost feel like I don't even just see, I don't even see their body anymore. It's almost mm-hmm. like who they are as mm-hmm. a figure doesn't matter because I'm so taken by who they are as people right. um, and how stylish they are and fashionable. And we have this one friend, Amy, who was actually on our show and she, you know, will post pictures like half naked mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. on Facebook and stuff, they will like, uh, you know, take the picture down. They'll take <laughs> it down because they say it's not positive. But then I could see train videos of girls sucking dick. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And it's just like, so y'all are going <laughs> to. <laughs> but like, you, but you see what I mean? It's right. kind of like the, yeah. they even, even when the caption is all about body positivity and this mm-hmm. is not something that's meant to be pornographic, they will still take it down. Mm-hmm. You know what I, you know what I don't like too? Like the, the whole thing of like this pressure that we put ourselves to like have this type of body. Like I, I will remember when I was like super heavy into working out and then, my friend asked me, he's like, why are you not working out no more? I said, uh, I just want to be fat right now and just eat. Mm-hmm. And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, I found out that I was working out for the wrong reasons. He was like, mm. what are you talking about? He says, I was working out for a whole year for everybody else. Mm. And he was like, why? I said, because I felt like I, the more attention I got from women or because I was insecure and all stuff, women like muscles, women like this mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I was not having fun anymore. And I was just forcing myself to create this body that I really didn't want only for the world to accept. And then after a while, I just had this epiphany. I was like, no, I just want to stop and just be myself and be comfortable. Now, where I, I, if I go back to working out again, it's because I'm doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. Because of my health. And also, I like working out. Mm. So there's a, there was a difference that I had to like really check in with myself. Like, why am I doing this? And why am I going to the gym and feeling like, oh. I got to do an hour of this and that. All right, and then I'm going to go home because I just have to. It's the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. I think you make a good point about knowing what body you want. Even, like, I don't want the body I have, but I don't actually know exactly what body I want. Like, I don't know at what point. I'm like, oh, girl, you're good. Because, like, I look at pictures in high school where I hated my body just as much as I hate it now. And now I'm like, bitch, if you had that body right now. Uh, (laughs) I always have that moment. It's (laughs) great that you mentioned that, right? Because, like, 
I was at this this boot camp for a while. Like you go there, you boot, you go to the boot camp and mornings and whatever, and it was great. You lose weight, right? So people had like the mindset like what you and I have, like I just I don't know what body I want. I just want to lose weight, whatever. I started noticing that there's a disease where people a mental disease that people have when they're going to these things, right? Because they'll work their ass off, they'll put in the work, they'll get a different body, but mm. they're still not happy. Yeah. And and they're and it's a disease because they're looking in the mirror and they're still seeing the, their old self. Mm-hmm. So my thing after a while, I used to, I used to say, when does it stop? Yeah. Because you lost all this weight, but you're still not content. You're still making yourself miserable because you're still seeing this person. I think it's more not even like almost a body thing per se, right? But the person inside thing, accepting yeah. the ego, the the, the yeah. mirror. Yeah. Because once you solve that, then you'll be content with the battle you have now, whatever body's going to get by working out. Yeah. Because a lot of the times I used to get annoyed with these people where, oh, I need to do this. I need to do that. I was like, yo, you just lost 40 pounds. Don't forget about the journey that you just had. Right. Mm-hmm. Be like, appreciate the steps and appreciate what you have now. You're fine. You're just feeding this disease, yeah. this constant disease of like more, 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 more. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people, if you're going to work out, you know, don't put pressure on yourself and accept whatever, but always be appreciative of the steps that you took. So like with you, Jules, if you start losing weight and stuff like that, I want you to be proud of the weight that you lost and just be like... I lost 10 pounds. And that's amazing. And that's amazing. And that's great. It's probably water weight, but... You You know, but that's what people do sometimes. They always downplay it. It's like, I'm such a negative Nancy. It is like, my mom says, and it's crazy because then you'll be with sometimes like, you know, that can rub off to like in your relationship because then like... You could be with someone. I'm like, babe, I think you're fine. No, you're lying. Now you're putting your shit on I'm that person. Guilty. You know what I'm saying? Which is it's crazy. Yeah. So I've been in those situations too, and you just have to stay quiet because it's not your issue; it's theirs. And the person saying, "No, you, you see, uh, you're lying to me." Yeah. yeah, yeah. I literally, I've I've been in that position, and I've had people be like, "You don't think you're as attractive as you are." Like that's and that is unattractive to think mm. that you can see and talk about all these things, and you're so deep. But when it comes to you looking in a mirror, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. all of that shit goes out the window and yeah. you're like, oh, I'm ugly. No, you're only having sex with me because I give good head, not because <laughs> you think I'm sexy. And <laughs> no, actual yeah. quotes of myself, like things yeah. that I've said to people. And and it is sort of it, it's tiring right. for the other person. It's really tiring to watch you know, you're, someone who you're into or your significant other not love themselves. It mm-hmm. is a lot of work. So. Um, but I also feel like there's a part of it that has to do with the way people treat you, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a lot of people who will claim, like, oh, yeah, like, you know, have whatever body you want. And, like, especially, like, males will be like, yeah, Julissa, you're very pretty, whatever. But they would never catch themselves dead with a girl that has my weight. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't. You know what I mean? And so I, I think for me, like, my crazy sort of thing that I don't know how to, like, go of is trying to get to the core truth of everyone. And it's sort of like if someone's to be like, yeah, you're beautiful, Julie, like, um. Oh, I'm like, no, and you wouldn't fuck a girl like me. Admit it, admit it, you wouldn't do it. And yeah, it's so yeah. important to me to like yeah, have people acknowledge. And it's not yeah. right, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I'm no, crazy. but they're, they're, <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> but, but you know, their, their truth don't matter. You know, yeah. whether it, the only truth that matters is your truth. Because yeah. the moment you accept your truth and take responsibility for all of your truth, 
than them saying like, oh, you're pretty. And even if it's fake, you're like, I'll still take it. Thank you. Whether it's fake or not, because I know I'm pretty. So right. that all that, that's all that matters. So don't right. worry about, and it's more like, <laughs> you hear it, but don't worry about what people are saying. Cause at the end of the day, it don't matter because they're not you and they're not doing, they're not walking in your steps. So accept your truth. Cause that's the only truth that matters. So if someone come and you could write a play, let's say your play was, I'm just saying, cause it probably is a great play, but let's say they say, Oh, it was okay. You, you are so proud of your play that you're like, that okay. It's like, okay, whatever. It was yeah. okay for you, but it was great for me because yeah. I made it happen. And it was a dream. That's a reality. Just mm-hmm. like I made this truth in the mirror to be content with for so many years and take responsibility. That's my truth. I put in that fucking work. You don't know the work I had to do. So I don't give a shit what you say. Cause I love myself. So, Damn. Yeah. Mm. Came in here to preach today. <laughs> you came here to preach. Yeah. So, I mean, and on that note, what are some fun things to do when you're naked outside of sex? Which yes. is another reason why I can't sit in a room with somebody naked. Because I feel like <laughs> if you're a male, you're sitting across from me naked. Even if I don't initially want to yeah. have sex with you, just because your dick is out, I'm thinking about <laughs> sex. And then, like, my teenage hormones come into play, and it's like, I don't you but like your dick is yeah. out i need to look at it <laughs> what is it like hard let me get it hard see what how big oh it is like, you know what I mean? like i already know yeah, that yeah, yeah. i can't like there would be no trust of like no touch with me in the room naked so well me and adiza have a fun tradition where whenever we go traveling we go skinny dipping mm. um nice yeah. so we've done it in costa rica we've done it in mexico um did we do it in Virginia Beach? I never did. How was it? I don't it? know. It's fun. And you know the thing about it is Adiza is like a, a my best one is like sexy a sexy ass body. She is she's sexy. A, a commercially everything. Like fit, you know, big boobs, Give me cute body, little cupcakes I'll for a the butt. world. Yeah, like <laughs> she's just like hot. Yeah. Um but like, yeah, like I don't know. We just started doing it. She, we, she and I traveled together a lot, and there was a water slide at the resort that we were at in Costa Rica. We were like, let's go down it naked. Nice. <laughs> and then we did it like every night in Costa Rica. We did it like twice in Mexico, and it's just like become a tradition where we literally like will go get drunk and then just like strip down and go skinny dipping. Mm. And we invite people to come with us and it's just exhilarating because there's nothing sexual about it. Right. Um, but it feels good to be in a pool butt ass naked. Yeah. Like, you know, like I did it. And once, we've gotten so. caught twice. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> like security guards with like flashlights. <laughs> like saying, you guys can't be in here. And we were like, all right, can you just move the light? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna ask what happens next, like when you get caught. <laughs> Cue the music. <laughs> 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 Yeah, that's dope. I mean, I I like to dance around naked sometimes. Mm. Like when I first get there are days when I'm feeling myself, I take like these long showers. I call them like baptisms. Right. And I do it especially every year on my birthday. Like Mm. I shave every single inch, you know, (laughs) minus my arms because I'm afraid that they'll grow back like wolves. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, like I shave every single inch of my body. I take my time. I'll use special soap or a special exfoliant that I never touch Mm. because I don't have the time. I wash my hair. Music is playing the whole time. Music is playing the whole time. So by the time I get out the shower, there's always some song that it's either like that one Beyonce song or that Mm. one like Hype Cardi B song that's on 
Or really like that Jay-Z song where I'm just rapping and I'm feeling myself and yeah, I'm just yeah. in the mirror dancing and I can be naked for a really long time. And then by the time it's time to put my clothes on, I'm kind of disappointed because I'm like, oh, <laughs> now it's time to get dressed nice. and go outside. Um, and, you know, I, I just think that dancing naked is important. I also think after sex, laying naked and like falling asleep naked as opposed to like putting yeah, clothes yeah. back on. I love sleeping naked with people mm, yeah I, I can agree with that too i usually have my underwears on but um like yeah. after but uh, when it happens i'm like i don't i just want to be naked laying in the bed it's pretty nice too. yeah underwear are so like overrated like oh. <laughs> no not even overweight. yeah overweighted Over, overweighted <laughs> See? I but i like just oversized t-shirt and nothing else under no mm. panties no bra no nothing that's like my thing i'm the most comfortable in that way but there's something so nice about sleeping naked with somebody. And no. I always have that moment <laughs> where like if I'm like like if I'm like spooning and I'm little spoon and their dick touches me, but it's soft. <laughs> so it's like floppy dick. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it's floppy. It's harmless. It's not trying to fuck me right now. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so sweet. It's just a dick right now. <laughs> to fuck or be sucked you know and like that to me like it, it kind of like there's something so intimate mm -hmm. in that um you know and there's very few people who i've ever slept naked with but like even just that thought of into mm -hmm. it's such an intimate thing but it's wonderful and i think it's na like natural like it makes me feel like in my most centered self yeah. to be naked. i think also probably <laughs> i think it just to me like you explaining that and i was just thinking i think it goes back to like when we're born like we're mm -hmm. we're naked i did just we're already comfortable. And like you said, there's a connection to that, how automatically the world put clothing on us, you know, as we're babies, but, or like when you, like, when you like my nieces and nephews, they'll take their diapers off or whatever and walk around. Yeah. Like I think as human beings, we're naturally used to na being naked and just being free. Um, it's just the world tells us we got to put on clothes in the society, but there is a connection to the intimacy of me just thinking about it. Like, we're naked when we're born. We're, we're fine with that. Hmm. Awesome. All right. So last really quick thing. So our Dame Luz section where we'll ask you a question about something that we want a little light on. This week, I actually, the thing that I, yo quiero un poco de luz for you to give me, the dynamic between loving your mom and having your mom be the most important woman in your life mm. and having your significant other wife mm. person and having their bridging their relationship. What are some tips? How do you do it? How does that dynamic happen? What are things we should stay away mm. from? You know, for me, uh, I always like, I, you know, cause you're growing up, you know, you always had valued opinions of your parents and your mom or who you're going to date, you know, after a while, between that, you know, the natural bonchincha that happens and never, never going to please everyone. I just said, fuck it. I'm going to date whoever I want to date. And I accepted my mom who I, for who and what she is and my life. I took control of my life and who I want to do things. So that being said, I think probably, you know, I think by my third or second relationship, I didn't care if my mom liked the person I was with or didn't accept them or anything. Mm. And vice versa, if the person I was with if they didn't like my mom, that's okay. I didn't force them. Wow. I didn't force that's a them. Big one. I didn't yeah. force them to say you I'm gonna do an event with my mom, you have to be there. If you don't like my mom, then you have your own issues with her. That's fine. Just like if I meet your parents and I don't like your father, do not make me do not force me to be in those type of things. I know just something. If everybody's not gonna match. Mm. So that so that being said, like 
uh, my wife and, and, and my and my mom, they, they get along, but I keep, there's, there's limits to a lot of things. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like, I don't share my, my life with my mom. She'll ask, how's everything going? I said, great. Does she cook? Does she take care of you? Mm. I said, I always say, well, she does. She does. But I always say, I don't discuss my private life with anyone. Mm. And my mom's like, oh, but I'm your mother. Yeah. Right. But I don't discuss my private. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah, but it's my life. I said, I don't ask you about your love life. I don't have no love life. I've been single for like 40 years now. Once your father left, that motherfucker. So, <laughs> so but I'm like, but even if you did, I stay away from those things. You know, right. so I just keep. My love life is my love life, and it's, I keep the privacy with that between that person and the connection between my wife and my mom. Yeah, they can get along or whatever, but I don't force that connection. I let that happen naturally. And then I don't share. I just share with my wife, and then whatever my mom shares to me about whatever, if she does, about my wife. I don't know about her. If she ever says anything like that, I don't share that to my wife because that's my mom issue. So I think mm. the tip is keep your love life private if your mom does not agree with what are you doing in your love life, then you shouldn't be talking about it. Hear it, see what she's saying, but you don't have to ha- have to agree with what she's saying. All that. Your mom should be your mom. Hmm. And mm. your, your relationship, lover, your yeah. lover should be your lover and stuff like that. Now, what <laughs> if one of them got out of line and ha- expressed a disrespectful opinion about one of them? That's other? different. Mm. Now, <laughs> now, now, I, you let... It's it's a it is always a way of explaining. So let's say let's say let's lose an example. Let's say my mom did a dickhead thing to my wife, and my wife says, "Yo, what your mom did was completely out of line. She's being a bitch, right?" If that was true, I would, honestly I have to put with the shoe fits. Yo, my mom was acting like a dick, and mm-hmm. that was fucked up. I would tell mom, "I don't appreciate." I would go. I was like, "I don't appreciate when you did this and blah blah blah." You know. I will totally respect if my wife don't want to be around her no more. Mm-hmm. I would just have to, because I have to understand if that was me. You know, I've been in situations where I've been uncomfortable and I was like, not with this one, the other past relationships, I was like, I don't want to be around your grandmother no more. I, mm. And she's like, why? Because she did A, B, and C. I don't want to be around them. Okay, mm. I can understand it. So when I come to pick you up, I'll still say hi to her, right. but I'll meet you in the front. Mm. I don't, there's no, I don't need the connection. I'm dating you. I'm not dating her. Yeah. And whatever she has to say, she could say it in the house, and that's it. Do they ever team up and like sort of like turn against you, and they're like, "Mina, he um, leaves his socks everywhere, <laughs> right? He leaves his socks everywhere." No, no, not really, not really. Like, um, they're like a couple things they'll probably say, like if I'm at my mom's house and we're eating and stuff like that, and they, they, my mom has this conspiracy that I don't eat, like you know, goes <laughs> uh, Ricky, you don't eat, you're looking skinny. So then, let's say my wife says, "Yeah, yeah, he he eats like probably just breakfast, and that's it." My mom be like, oh, just breakfast? That's it? You know? <laughs> and I look at her, I was like, why do you say that? Because you know she's going to fucking just make, be dramatic. Right. And blah, blah, blah. I knew it. You're not eating. And that's why you're getting skinny. What is it? The job? Is it this? Is it what is it? Tell me. My mom is so dramatic. So probably like a couple moments like that. But I also say like, I'll prep. Like what I had, like, not with my wife, but like with my other girlfriends when they made the Go to like you're gonna meet my mom. Yeah, I was like, this is how my mom is. She's mad dramatic with some things. Don't share fucking information. <laughs> Do not share yeah. any information because then they'll see a different side of me, right? Like I'm mad talkative with you guys. Yeah. But when I go with my mom, I say, hey, how you doing? How's this? How's that? Blah blah blah. I don't get so many deep in so many things, right? Because I know how my mom is. 
Right. So everybody has, I have limits for everybody in my family. Mm. Absolutely. I'm guilty of being the, the girl who like gets in real good with mom. Mm. Like real good mm. with mom to the point where by the time the shit is falling apart, the mom is like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> She's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you fucking this mm. up? Yeah, yeah. I want grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I... Um, it's so interesting because I always like trust that relationship, but I guess I haven't been in any relationship long enough where I get to see the moment in which that turns on you. Mm. I slightly saw it in one of my relationships where, um, and this was literally like months before we broke up. He brought me a Tiffany's bracelet. Mm. Um, and then apparently mom was like, Oh, so you have money for Tiffany bracelets for your girlfriend, but you don't got money to throw to me. You live in my house and you're not paying rent. And, blah, blah, blah. and I will never forget that I felt so betrayed. I was like, oh, how dare she hate on my fucking Tiffany bracelet? <laughs> you know what I mean? But at the same time, I was so deeply involved with her where I was like, but she's right though, because that nigga won't even put down money for a gallon of milk. And then suddenly, it's both of us, like, you know what I mean? So it's always, I've always just been interested in, on from the, you know, from the person's perspective, whether it's right. a dude or a girl, like what does that feel like to be the other person trying to balance that relationship? Mm. I keep my family very, very separate from anything that is my intimate light, right. especially after my first and only relationship uh -huh. because I was like, fuck, like how do we deal with the breakup part? Turns out my family was just like, oh yeah, we saw that breakup coming. So it was <laughs> very <laughs> like, they're like, oh, we have no feelings about it. But I think about marriage, mm. right? And I'm like, damn, mm. how the fuck would I navigate that till death do us part? Right. You know? Um, mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you had light on that. I literally can only speak from being the brother in situations mm. of that. Mm -hmm. um, my brother, uh, in our case, uh, I find that my brother is the one that um, the girls are really eager to fit in with our family. Mm. Um, and we're not like the type of people that like, like hold our heart, hold our noses up to like other mm -hmm. girls coming in. We're re generally very welcoming and, um, you know, befriend whatever the girl or whatever would be going on. Um, it's not until the girl makes like a foul move or mm. a weird comment or stuff like that where it's then kind of like us being like, mm. who's this bitch? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. we got to put her in line or whatever. But for the most part, it's been like the girl trying to infiltrate our tight-knit mm. <laughs> family. Yeah. And um, for one reason or another, um, they just not being able to... Listen. To fall back. Like the last girlfriend... <sighs> I actually grew up with her. Mm. Uh, yeah, she was a girl from church. You know, we, we all have, mm. went to church together, whatever. And so them dating wasn't like necessarily shocking because, mm. because my brother and her had been talking for a long time. And so when they were together, it was like, oh, this is cute, you know, church relationship. <laughs> like, you know, I could keep keep with her. Um, you know, she worked at Sephora. I ended up getting a job at Sephora. She was into makeup. We were kicking or whatever. You know, one thing leads to another. Their relationship doesn't necessarily last or whatever. But then, like, when it comes to having a kid, I'm not holy enough to be the godfather. Mm. You know? So then it's something salty like that where... So I can only ever speak to, like, the female trying to come in for our family. I'm not right. one to have a bunch of... I've never had boyfriends, like, coming in and, like, introducing them to my parents, so I can't 
speak to that. But it always feels so weird because, like, so because I'm a younger sibling of a of a girl and a boy. Um, mm -hmm. shout out to them. It's their birthday tomorrow and Sunday. Um, but uh, with my sister, like, when her husband Chad came into the scene, my father was straight up like. Oh, you know I know how to box, right? Like we were sitting in the living room watching TV, and out of nowhere, my dad just says, "You know I know how to box, right?" And it was sort of like, "Okay, well that's interesting." I always wondered, like, "Oh, how is she going to manage this dynamic?" But there was no management. Like that was the moment. Mm. My father did his King Kong yeah. chest bang. Chad is a man and understood, and mm. they've been fine. But I think about like you know my brother and like past girlfriends and stuff that he's had and the way that. My mom is a super generous, loving person to any and everyone. Trump can come into our house and you would think yeah. that she agreed with everything <laughs> he did because she's that hospitable. Mm. The minute that man walks away or turns his back, yeah, yeah, yeah. the shit that's coming out of her mouth, <laughs> not so nice, right? So I've, but I've seen that cattiness with him, but I've never had a moment where I can say I've witnessed my father needing mm. to be managed with the way that he's engaging, mm, you know, okay. Chad. And, and they've been, they've been together since I was like 13 and I'm 27 now. So like, their relationship hasn't been that long, so there's been plenty of opportunity, and it's been smooth. So I wonder sometimes if this is one of those moments where, and I hate to gen put gender on things, but is it true that to the dynamic between mother and wife, or just mm. mothers with their children versus fathers with right. their children, if that requires more management? Mm. I, I just think everything should be just managed naturally. You know what I'm saying? Like the only re the only the only reason family should butt in for any serious moments if someone's getting abused or disrespected mm -hmm. on, a, on, a, on a level mm -hmm. that the person cannot control. Yeah. But besides that, like, you know, let the conversations happen naturally. Let, let the bonding happen naturally. Yeah. You shouldn't like be eager to fit into that family. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just be yourself and that's it. And whether the family accepts you or not, it is what it is. You should not fight for a spot. That's not your place. Your yeah. spot was just to be with your with the, yeah. the person that you were there. And speaking from a, a, a broken family, I don't want to say that, <laughs> <laughs> but like the dynamic of my mom getting a boyfriend, mm. <laughs> like yeah, and that kind of like being a twenty-five-year-old man, you know, having to deal with uh, another man coming. And kind of balancing that, like, I'm old enough for you to not try and be my father. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, I have a dad. Thanks. Right. right. You know, he raised me, and he's very much present in my life. Um, balancing that dynamic of, like, yeah, like, you have a relationship with my mom, but that's my mom, you know? Right. And <coughs> me being the one that does the King Kong, yeah. the, the chest banging, and being like... Yeah. You know, the fuck you mean she's going to go to Puerto Rico after she retires? Nah, like, <laughs> like we're still here. My grandmother's still alive. We all in New York. She ain't going nowhere, nigga. Like, fuck yeah. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> There's two things I don't share. That's my money and my mother, right? Yeah. Big pun. So, like, I, yeah. you know, it was, it was one of those things where it was, like, also trying to navigate that and then mm. realizing, oh, well, you know, she's an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And she has an itch that she needs to get scratched, you know? Oh. And, like, kind of, like, you know, just, oh, I like... I did not want to talk about having sex. No, I'm not... No, 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 not about no, that, no, but, no, like, know, just, I like, know, her, yeah. knowing that, you know, she's a human being and deserves to have a loving relationship that is right. separate from her children. Um, so that's an interesting yeah. thing, too. For sure. Well, thank you for giving us a little bit of loose on that. Rick, where can we find you on social media? Oh, rhcomedy.com. And um, on Instagram, I'm at 
RH Comedy. And pretty much Facebook too, RH Comedy. Everything is like yes. R Rick Win Herrera and everything is like RH Comedy. So And when's when's your next up and coming projects? What are you doing now? Or what anything we can watch? Um yeah, you can if you go to YouTube and type in Rick Herrera Naked the Naked Truth, you can watch it for free. I put it up on YouTube. Yes, um, watch that nice. shit for free. And then um my second woman show still naked, you can hit me up on either on Instagram at RH Comedy, and I could show you a rough draft of that. So all the information out there, just reach out to me on rhcomedy.com or through Instagram at RH And you have awesome swag. Is that for sale? Yes. Oh, yes, sure. I had it. Yeah, I had at one point, yeah, but I'm most You're of it sold is out. Just, that's that's <laughs> most of it is mine. Yeah, yeah, I wear, like, all my stuff. I'm, like, going to brand everything. Yeah, <laughs> you should brand everything. And yeah, you can follow you. us on Ladies Who Bronche, at Ladies Who Bronche on Instagram, at Ladies Who Brunch on Facebook, Ladies Bronche yeah. on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and soon we're going to have our website up. So mm-hmm. I'm excited yes. about that. Thank you so much for tuning in today, guys. And until next time, Bronche. <laughs>